Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. My next guest has spent his life fighting for what he believes in. While still in college, he was handpicked by Bill Clinton to become the youngest White House speechwriter in American history. He prosecuted financial crimes as an assistant attorney general, and now he's flipping the bank industry on its head by changing the way people think about their money and showing us that you can do well and do good at the same time. This is Motivational Mondays. I'm your host, Max Erzak, and joining us is the CEO of Aspiration, Andre Cherney. Hi, Max. When leaders try to create change, many times they'll face resistance. With Aspiration, you're literally trying to change how people think about their money and their spending habits. Now, that's no easy task. What's your advice to aspiring leaders on chasing what they believe in and not giving up even if the task seems impossible? Well, I'd say the impossible tasks are the only ones really worth taking on. Of course, when you're trying to do something big and hard and different, there's going to be a lot of resistance. If it weren't the case, then somebody would have already done it. And what I think is important to realize is, number one, the more that people tell you you're crazy, the more that you know you're actually onto something. And number two is uh, change is hard. The bigger the change, the harder it is to bring about. And if you look at any change that's happened in our economy, in our society, uh, in our culture, uh, any progress that's happened, the truth of any of those stories is there was a lot of moments along the way where uh, it felt like things wouldn't happen and and, and you wouldn't be able to make that change and progress wouldn't occur. Uh, in, In fact, the story of all of those types of uh, transformations is that for almost all of the time uh, that somebody was working on it or some group was working on it, it felt like things wouldn't happen. But they only occurred because people stuck to it. And so my ad- advice to people would be, if you're committed to making change, first of all, thank you, <laughs> because we need a lot of change. Uh, and number two is uh, fight your hardest uh, when people are telling you that change is out of reach. You were handpicked by Bill Clinton right out of college to become the youngest White House speechwriter in American history. Can you tell us that story? And what's your advice to people who might be nervous about jumping into unfamiliar territory? It was really my, a story of, of right place, uh, right time for me. I had been from a very young age, 12 years old, uh, if not earlier, really interested in uh, what was going on in, in government and politics, was volunteering on campaigns uh, every two years from that age onward. And, and then in college, I uh, was the election columnist for my college newspaper during the presidential race. And, and shortly after the presidential election, the then White House communications director was on campus for an event, happened to pick up a newspaper which happened to be carrying one of my columns and and really liked uh, the column, liked it so much that he passed it on to President Clinton, uh, who really liked the column, and, and President Clinton passed it along to his cabinet uh, to read. 
And all of this was, of course, happening with, unbeknownst to me. And long story short, I, I, I get a call from the White House uh, one day saying that uh, President Clinton wants you to come work here. And a very surreal experience and twists and turns along the way, but uh, ended up starting in the White House working for President Clinton and Vice President Gore as senior speechwriter uh, 10 days after I graduated from college. And, and I remember, of course, being super nervous uh, about jumping into a role uh, like that, but of course, excited as well. And you know, my advice for people is when you're facing a chance like that uh, is to jump <laughs> and, and to jump in uh, and, and completely and, and know that you are, as the saying goes, jumping in on the deep end and you're going to thrash around a little bit. But as everybody, of course, knows, that's a lot better of a way to learn how to swim than stepping in on, on the shallow end and, uh, and trying to learn over time. Throughout your career, you've advised and worked with many incredible leaders, including heads of major companies and United States presidents. If you think about the greats, what is one thing that makes a great leader? I think it's the ability to have a kind of vision that is not just seeing what's coming up. It's not just seeing what's off in the distance, but it's the ability to see around a corner and to see things that do not yet exist and then have the gumption and grit to bring those about. And that's pretty rare, but that really, to me, is the definition of, of what a leader is, uh, is, is somebody who, who can really imagine things that are beyond the scope of what's apparent anywhere right now, and who has the follow-through to uh, actually then bring those ideas and bring that vision to life. If you could travel back in time and chat with young Andre, who's still in college, what advice would you give him? I would tell him that things are absolutely not going to turn out the way that he thinks they are and that he should care more about where he's going than than what he's doing. You know, when I was in college like probably a lot of people I thought oh by the age by age 25 I I want to do this and by age 30 I want to do this and and on almost all of those things didn't come to pass. And during those times, I was, I was pretty down about that uh, and, and pretty disappointed. But whatever small amount of wisdom one gets uh, after 25 years and the ability to, to look back and, and have some perspective uh, is that while the path wasn't what I thought it was going to be, uh, I've still been able to sail in, in the general direction of that destination. Many of our listeners will soon be graduating from colleges and applying to jobs. When you're looking for new people to join your team, how would you describe your ideal candidate? I was uh, looking at something earlier today on, on LinkedIn, and it was one of my connections was uh, saying he was, he was looking to hire somebody for, for his company. And what he said was uh, he was looking for somebody with low ego, high maturity, and a blue-collar work ethic. And, and I thought especially that last part w was interesting. Maybe that's some of what I, what I look for as well is, yeah, looking for that person who's brilliant, looking for that person who's insightful, looking for that person who has um, incredible ideas. But in any role, especially in, in a role early on in your career, but, but I don't think it necessarily changes all that much, 
the person who is going to get stuff done uh, is uh, is really the person that that I'm always looking to hire because whatever you're trying to do, it's great to sit around and 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 think about the big picture and 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 that matters. Uh, you have to have a, a a sense of of innovation and inventiveness and ingenuity, but ultimately it is the person who is in a very old fashioned way maybe going to be the first person in the door uh, and the last person out uh, every day, th- that's a person who over the long term is going to succeed. And, and I think we have a culture now where there's a lot of pushback on that notion. And, uh, and there's a, a sense that, that that is old fashioned, that that is not the way that the work world should work. But in everything I've seen in many, many different industries and areas of life, that is still the greatest predictor of, of success. We're experiencing this massive shift in how consumers think about their spending. A lot of people are starting to shop at brands that truly match their values. For example, sweatshop free t-shirts, companies that give back to charities, brands that actually treat their employees with respect. Can you tell us more about the Aspiration Impact Measurement Score and how it helps people make an impact with their wallet? You're absolutely right. We have enormous power as citizens to cast a vote once every two years or once every four years. In some ways, we have even more power as, as consumers. American consumers spend $36 billion every single day. And when you, as a consumer, make a decision to go shop, to go spend your money in a business that does better and move away from those businesses that need to do better, that is a powerful, powerful way to, to make an impact. And that was really the insight behind building the aspiration impact measurement, which we, which we call AIM, which is built into uh, our aspiration debit cards or our aspiration credit cards. And so what it does is really very uniquely provide consumers with a way to see their own personal daily sustainability score. Think of it as like a Fitbit for, for sustainability where every day you just see how you're doing. And the way we calculate that is we look at where you're spending and how those businesses do when it comes to people and the planet. And that empowers those consumers that that you're talking about to have the real information that's not just company advertising or or branding, uh, that's not just a gut view, but real information about how those businesses are acting. And, and so you can walk down a street and there's a CVS and a Walgreens or there's a McDonald's and a Burger King or a Taco Bell and Chipotle. And you can make decisions on where you're going to go and where you're going to spend your money based on how those businesses are treating their employees and based on how those businesses are treating the environment. And nothing else like that really exists out there that is tied into uh, your own daily spending. And, and so it really has empowered a lot of people who are using aspiration as a way to put their values into action on a daily basis. What is one final thought you want our audience to walk away with? What is some actionable advice? Well, first and foremost, they should open an aspiration account is my best advice for them and uh, go to aspiration.com or, or download the aspiration app on uh, onto their phone. But beyond that, my advice would really be to spend your life on causes and beliefs larger than yourself. Uh, and that can be in 
government, that can be in uh, building businesses, that can be in building a nonprofit, that can be in, in the arts. It's wherever you are to get swept up by larger forces and then be able to, over time, play your own individual role in, uh, in directing those forces as well and be able to know that because of that, you've made a contribution, made a contribution to something beyond your own personal happiness and personal well-being. That to me is success. And my advice is maybe where we started is to, to jump into those uh, battles uh, and, and jump into those great causes and, and know you're going to be bloodied uh, along the way. Uh, but get right back up and, and keep on going. Aspiration has been an amazing partner of the NSLS, particularly because we're so aligned in our missions of creating a better world. I want to remind our members listening today that Aspiration is actually supporting your leadership training by reimbursing 75 of the $95 that you paid for your NSLS membership. If you haven't already taken advantage of this, just follow the link in the description below to learn more. Andre, Thank you for sitting down with us today and for showing that it is possible to do well and do good at the same time. I truly hope you'll continue fighting for what you believe in, and I can't wait to see what you accomplish next. Well, thank you, and thanks for the fight that you're in and, and, and your members are in, and we're uh, excited to be allies in this. And as always, a huge thank you to all of our loyal listeners who join us each week. We'll see you next time on Motivational Mondays. <laughs>